there, Vlad here. Welcome to Cat Pick Fridays, episode 46. And finally, or once again, one of those, I'm joined by Mr. Richard Morgan. Rich, am I wearing a beanie today? Unlikely. <laughs> well, that worked out smooth, less smoothly than I kind of thought. <laughs> Maybe I should have told you what I'm going to ask. That makes more sense. Just a show note for ourselves. How are you? Yeah, doing? I was confused. For a minute, I thought beanie was just a a synonym for hat, and I was like, "Yes, he is wearing a hat." But how do I twist this round and say unlikely? But yeah, a beanie is of course not a snapback, and what you're wearing is a snapback. It is indeed. The Catholic Friday's unlikely snapback arrived about a week ago or so. And gotta say, this feels great. It was worth the wait. Took a couple of weeks to get from here to here from US. So that's good. And it feels really cool to have like this embroidered, unlikely thing here going on. It's not a print, like this will last. So that's really cool. I'm actually excited about, about this one. And my daughter was as well. I need to see if there's like kids' size available. <laughs> she seemed to really want one. So yeah, merch store, if you want to get one in the show notes and there's a nice discount code for Cat Pick Fridays listeners as well. Uh, yeah. Rich was out last week. He's here this week. How are you doing? Hopefully a bit better since you're able to do the show now. Yeah, I'm on the mend. I'm still not 100%. Uh, I don't know what I've had this past 10, 12 days, but it's really hit me quite hard. Normally, it's unheard of for me to be kind of knocked out for a week with a cold or a virus or whatever. And this was definitely a virus, although repeated testing suggests it's not the virus <laughs> that many people are getting at the, the moment. Virus. Yeah, And yeah, hopefully by this time next week, I'll be 100% again. But yeah, I, the one thing I don't want to happen today is for me to dissolve into fits of coughing while we try and discuss gear. So let's try and keep yeah. this mercifully short. And I also want to just take yeah. a second to thank Trey... Xavier for stepping in last week at fairly short notice and delivering a stellar performance as Richard Morgan because he was in character throughout the show <laughs> and we shall be purchasing him a curly wig should he ever need to do it again just to you know make him even more in the zone. Yeah. Actually now that you mentioned I have one. What did I realize? I could have played Richard Morgan. Like that that is like Richard Morgan uh hasn't got a haircut in six months type of curly hair, but I have one. So we have like double backup. We know we can always have Trey here because he can do the British accent way better than I can. And I have the hair. So like if so there's a time where Rich can't make it, we have like a 50% of Rich replacement available, something like that. <laughs> Not that you can be replaced, just saying. No, exactly. And if we need a replacement <laughs> for Trey, I suggested The Rock. Because <laughs> I feel like they share personality and character and also some physical traits. They're no, prime examples of men. That is very true. Yeah. They're just proficient in different categories. One is good at uh taking like keeping the family thing going, and the other one is good at music and, and it, everything around that. 
It's up for you to decide. Yeah, exactly. Who, who's who? And they may both be president of the United States of America in the future. Who knows? That is very true as well. Interested to see which one will be first. <laughs> and yeah, hopefully the Rock. <laughs> you never know. Uh, yeah, thank you so much for watching, listening, liking, sharing, subscribing, all of the YouTube things. If you enjoyed the show and think some of your friends might as well, please consider sharing what we do here as well with them. And you can always find this episode on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Podbean app as well. And if you want to ask questions, Email us at podcast at catbrickstudios.com and there's timestamps in the description if you want to check out a certain topic of the show. And we promise we're going to keep this show like brief-ish. And yeah, let's dive to the first topic, which is obviously the Pyrrhus SE Silver Sky. Now, we did kind of talk about this with Trey last week already, but I, I wanted to have your opinion. Like, Obviously, this was a gigantic release from PRS uh, based on all the reactions online, good or bad, or good and bad, I, I'm going to say. But uh, since the last week's show, I'm actually like getting more excited about this, especially after seeing the kind of official launch video with John Mayer explaining the guitar i was kind of impressed i'm actually like very curious to try try one out at some point and actually a local store seems to be getting few of those fairly soon but what's your take on the se silver sky well it was the guitar industry's worst kept secret for quite a long time <laughs> and it's finally here and yeah they picked the week to release it when i was unavailable to come on the show unfortunately so i didn't get to do the exclusive with you but i think it looks like a really good instrument i've tried a full fat silver sky the usa made one and it's not really my thing i've never really been that much of a strap player i'm not a mayor fanboy i don't play the kind of music that he plays but i feel like this guitar is actually going to be way more up my street and I think it looks fantastic. And I love the marketing that they've done. And I'm sure it's going to sell bucket loads. The, the one thing that's put me off is hearing the price, which is $849 or 1,000 euros, effectively, in Europe. And I feel like that's too much because it's slap bang in Fender Mexican price point territory. And I think in some ways it's going to be a hard sell. But on the other hand, it has these amazing specifications. You know, you have... Not that many corners that have been cut compared to the original USA model, which is fantastic. The pickups yep. are different, Three. but from the demos I've heard, the guitar sounds really, really good. It also has the 8.5-inch fingerboard radius, which is a little bit more kind of comfortable, I would imagine, for people who don't like the seven and a quarter vintage radius of the, the USA Silver Sky. And one of them. Yes. And it has a rosewood fretboard, which in my mind elevates it above current fenders that have Palferro or Indian laurel boards. I think it's really cool that they've put rosewood on it. The one thing that I would be really interested to see would be a demo of someone playing this guitar more in the style that I kind of play. You know, some indie, some alternative rock, 
that kind of stuff because pretty much every demo mm. I've seen so far has been either John Mayer or someone playing their version of what John Mayer sounds like. <laughs> the the best demo true. video that I've seen so far has been Phil McKnight's where he does a bit of his own sort of stuff. Still a bit Mary, but he does the Phil McKnight thing. And I think the guitar sounds great. And with the pickups, I think that they've done a great job voicing them because the bridge pickup, for example, doesn't sound super bright and brittle. It sounds nice. It's quite warm for a bridge pickup. And I feel like this guitar would actually be very, very good for doing a lot more than just the Mayer thing. So those are my thoughts, kind of my first thoughts, and also the thoughts that I've sort of percolated in my head the past week. But you said, Vlad, that after kind of being a bit cool about it, you've warmed to it and you're more excited. What has changed in your mind since you saw the first release of the guitar? Well, first of all, uh, the radius. I had tried the US-made Silver Sky and... Well, I thought that it was a great guitar and it felt different to Fenders because actually, like, the first time I tried the Silver Sky was at Thoman in 20... I'm going to say 2019, I think. It just came out, they had few in the shop and I got to try it and I also got to kind of A-B test it against few good Fenders that they had in Thoman's store as well. I was working, working on an event there at that time and they're different. And 7.25 inch radius is very, very kind of vintage-like. And I've actually owned a Fender with that radius. And I ended up selling that guitar because of the radius. Because I just kept fretting out like the low and high E strings like would just fret out with the way I play. I was playing a live show at the church one time and just fretted out like five times during one song. And then I was like, nope, I need a different guitar, I think. So that was that your roadborne fender, right? Yeah, exactly. It had the same radius. Like, it sucks that I had to give that a guitar because otherwise it was absolutely perfect. Uh, but yeah, this this makes me very excited because it sounds like the SE Silver Skies sounds exactly the way I would love that kind of guitar to sound. It seems like it's gonna do like really cool rock sounds with the bridge pickup as well because it's not like super bright anything like that. They seem to be really well balanced. Um, and I'm warming up to the color options they have right now. I still don't know which one I would get, but I'm kind of warming up to it a bit more. And I, I personally like... don't mind the headstock either. It looks cool to me. Yeah, I, I like the headstock. I have no problem with it whatsoever. I prefer the Fender Strat headstock, but I have no problem sure. with this one. I feel like with the colors, they've deliberately chosen things that Fender don't really offer to differentiate in mm. that way. I also, I'm not sure which one I would pick, but I definitely, definitely want to hear someone play some more yeah. various genres than what we've heard so far. It will be really interesting to hear how this guitar handles that kind of stuff. Exactly. They should have sent one to me. Exactly. Says, says probably everybody. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what, one thing I also want to mention and something that I threw into the Catpix Studios Elites Facebook group, feel free to join if you so desire uh, I love the fact that John Mayer did like an official release video with the company and based on that video you can really tell he was heavily involved with designing both of the guitars because he really takes you through the details his deci like decisions he made 
when designing that guitar and stuff like that. To me, like he designed that guitar for himself, but also for everyone else. Like I think he managed to find like they managed to find a balance for that. So that's just really really cool. And yeah, the fact that like from afar on a stage you wouldn't be able to tell whether that's the SE model or the they're not, they're not called the core models, just the US models, I guess. Yeah, I think that's really yeah, cool. that's it. So yep. Uh, I posted our discussion with Trey on the channel as well, and yeah, we talk about the fact that this is going to set bu- sell bucket loads, and that's something that you mentioned as well. So interested to see how fast these will sell out because there's like shortages of stuff all over the world right now. But yeah. Uh, personally, by the way, I think I might be leaning more most towards the like dragon fruit or stone blue finishes. Which is I, the dragon fruit one? It's like the reddish one, red something between red and pink. The Gigas article doesn't have the photo of all four of them right now, but okay, yeah, I think I'd go for the the evergreen one, but it's yeah. Yeah, it's it's hard to know. I'm looking forward to seeing these in person. I suspect yeah. it will be at least March before we see anything in Europe, but who knows? With with current I I, like, delays to shipping and availability issues, it could be longer. Yeah. Uh, I actually think I saw on Facebook that the local store will have them in February, so maybe they'll be out fairly soon. We shall see. Well, I suppose uh, it's possible, yeah. and they've been building yeah. and planning for this release so long, they may have actually had stock that is already out there. Yeah. Yep. Uh, speaking about stock, uh, Fender CEO talks about guitar and amp stock shortages in the Music Creator article. And yeah, it's what's been kind of going on, but for a while now, but it's uh, nice to hear from someone uh, like up there. Fender is they're the biggest uh, music gear maker in the world right now, I think, right? So hearing this from them means that it's, yeah, <laughs> it, this indeed is the case. Uh, but yeah, a lot of stuff that uh, like takes just takes time to get anything and yeah uh, trying to check the article while like remembering what was in the article as I speak as well but yeah uh, I think a lot of people have heard about the chips shortage but I think that it applies to a lot of other stuff as well and like just I think that uh, what was the gigantic ship that it was was stuck? I think that's kind of in the Panama area. Yeah, was in the Panama yeah. Canal. I yeah. forget the name of the ship. Uh, yeah, I think that one kind of started it all, and it. I think I remember reading at the time that this is going to like have long lasting effects because the supply chain is such like tight and organized thing like if there's a delay there in the canal like it affects everything for a long time before it kind of evens out 
plus everything COVID-related and that one chip factory burning in China a while ago. And yeah, yeah, they yeah, talk it about all contributes. Chi- yeah, chip so- shortages. Um, so far, I don't remember this being applied to guitars as much, but I guess that's happening as well to some extent, at least. Just well, being we have able seen to- it. Yeah. We've seen it a fair bit with guitars and with many, many products, in fact. And I think actually in the past year or so, you have seen it already with Squires as well. You know, new classic vibe ranges would be released or whatever, and they just weren't in stores. And I think all that is to do with the same issues that we're talking about in the article here. What's really interesting is that Andy Mooney, the the Fender CEO, mentions in the article that they've they've increased prices by about 10% since the Mm. pandemic started. And while that kind of quelled the demand a little bit, they're still having these supply issues. And all that's also down to the fact that so many more people have started playing guitar since coronavirus hit the world. And so that's contributing to it as well. And in a way, it's I'm not going to say it's a luxury problem to have, that they can't build enough guitars because, of course, there are other issues, but at least there are more people picking up the instrument and let's hope that they stick with it after the coronavirus pandemic is done with. So Mm. that's kind of, it's a positive on the horizon. That's how I'm choosing to look at this. Yeah. Yeah. He also really revealed CNNBC that Fender has recently conducted a research that found that there have been 60 million new entrants picking up the guitar since the pandemic began. Uh, I'm assuming this means US, but wow. That's ridiculous. 60 million new guitar players. That's really cool. I find that like I would love that to be true, but I find that to be <laughs> such a high figure as to be almost unbelievable. Seven yeah. percent of the U.S. population started playing guitar during the pandemic. Seven percent—that's yeah. if it's true, it's amazing, and I and I'm all for it. But it's like such a high figure. Yeah, yeah. But like, if if we're being like really pessimistic, even like if one uh, percent of those guitar players will like become active guitar players that's like 160,000 people if my ma- if i'm doing the math correctly yes i am like even if like 1% of them continues keeps on playing like that's really really cool that's a lot of people playing guitar just in the US so yeah nice yeah that's amazing because that's the positive twist of all of this and speaking of positive things there's a huge deal going on on the bad amps at Thorwood, which is... <laughs> a huge deal going on on bad amps. All their terrible <laughs> products are reduced. <laughs> <laughs> I should be more clear. But bad amps means boutique amp distribution amps. So it's uh, Friedman BE Mini, Bogner Ecstasy Mini, and the diesel VH microheads. And they are all at a discount. What Was it 20%? I think yeah, they were uh, two ninety nine at Thoman, and now they are two thirty nine at Thoman. And we're gonna drop a link, an affiliate link in the description if you want to get any of these amps. You have personal experience with two of the three or all of them. All, all of them. three. Ah, uh, there you go. And yeah, I played all three this of them at forty two yeah. Gear Street. Yeah, my choice of the three would be the Friedman BE Mini that we're looking at on screen right now. That is such a fun kind of 
modded Marshall, medium to heavy rock amp. It's just, it's, yeah, I, I'm super tempted to pull the trigger on one of these for 240 euros. That's under 200 pounds if you're in the UK. That's that's a crazy price. That's not much more than the pedal, you know? Yeah. Because Friedman sell the B pedal on its own. And I think the BE Deluxe pedal might even be the same price as this. And this is a whole amp, and it's so much fun. You know, it 195 euros for the BEOD, well, the so 40 euros difference. And you get an amp. It's Yeah, that's, that's a really, really good price. And these amps are just so much fun. You know, I don't think anyone's going to use this as their main amp for many things, but just to have that sat at home. Imagine that behind you, Vlad, and you turn around and thought, I just want to mm. riff out and have a bit of fun. You'd plug into that any day and just have fun with it. It's a, oh, it's a cool thing. Absolutely. And a very nice yeah. price. Yeah, and it's highly practical as well. There's like a line out. It doesn't need to have a, a cabinet plugged in. There's like a fail safe option. Uh, so you can use it as a real amp or you can like run it into your audio interface and stuff like that. So cool. Yeah, exactly. You can use it with headphones, plug it straight into the computer. Really, really good. And the Friedman is great fun as well. But the, the Dietzel for the metal heads is also, it does that Dietzel thing. And the Bogner is probably the most versatile of the three but also does pretty much everything from cleans or push cleans through to kind of that Steve Lukather classic mm. glam heavy pop rock sound. I think for for the three separate audiences these are these are very very cool deals. Oh yes, absolutely. And I'm surprised yeah. I have to say to mm. see them at this time of year and to just see 20% slashed off these kind of almost at random. I would love to know what the decision making is behind that because there's definitely mm. something going on. There's something going on. Yeah. There's something going on. Yeah, but for you, dear listener and viewer, this is the time to get one if you ever wanted to get one. So, yeah. Affiliate links in the show notes if you want to get one. And if you do get any of these, please let us know, first of all, why you decided to go with that amp, and then when you get it, what's your initial reactions? We would love to hear that. Let us know. And jumping to next thing, Kirk Hammett is playing a signature Gibson Flying V? Question mark. This article comes from gearguards.com, not .com, .net. <laughs> and yeah, there's this purple, purple Gibson Flying V that he has been playing and yeah, he tagged this guitar with Flying V Friday. <laughs> FVF. <laughs> I am not sure if that's going to pick up, but otherwise, like, the guitar is cool. And as we've talked about before, Gibson is, really, like, really, really snatching the signature artists into their roster. And they got Dave Mustaine. Well, they have Adam Jones, who's, who we're going to talk about in just a second. Kirk Hammett's there. Uh... Is James Hetfield still at ESP? He's still at ESP, right? I would assume so. I don't recollect hearing anything different. Yeah. But I don't so know. <laughs> he, he's there still, but... I mean, Kirk has been playing Gibsons for ages as well, so it just makes a lot of sense. And he's like actually co... He's also at ESP. Like, his ESP model hasn't been discontinued, but he's now also at Gibson, which I guess makes sense. <laughs> he's 
Kirk Hammett, they can do whatever they want, I think, with any company. Yeah, exactly. I think any company could be kind of pleased to have his association with them. So I'm Always. sure if he you know, if he went to ESP and said, Hey, I want to do stuff with Gibson, they will have said, Sure, carry on. We're still friends, it's all good. And this flying V looks exciting. I love that purple finish. Mm. It reminds me of Cadbury's dairy milk, the chocolate of my childhood. So I'm all for that. Sure does. And just looking at the article there, Vlad, it seems like this V will be officially announced the day that this show comes out. So we've preempted oh, the release. So <laughs> maybe by the time you guys watch or listen to this, you can already find more official specifications about this guitar. And maybe Vlad will post a link to those specs if they appear by the time you guys get to see this. Yep. Yeah. Giving you Definitely extra work there. Yeah, I've started to do a thing where I take like a little snippets from our show, post them as separate videos, so, so like highlights of that show, something like that. And maybe I'll drop this one. Like when the news drop, maybe I'll drop this one as well. Like a clip from this article. And there will be links in the show notes for this one if you want to check it out. Uh, I gotta say, personally, I actually like the Davis Mustaine ones more. As we talked about with that guitar, like I like they have the Explorer headstock paired with the V body, and it looked really yeah. good. It, it looked really good to me. I actually prefer that one to this one, but a V like Gibson V is also a classic. Yeah, the Explorer headstock on a V gives it a much more kind of streamlined and sort of a more metal look. I really like the the traditional headstock, as we can see on the the Hammett one mm. there, but it's just a different vibe, much more vintage yep. looking. Yep. Speaking of guitar rumors, uh, there's like Gigot's that the net article asks, "What is Tools Adam Jones playing?" And that looks like a flying V body, but what? That's the it's what like a dime bag headstock, isn't it? <laughs> Almost. Could it be? Can it be that one? Uh, it looks like the, one of those weird sort of novelty reverse flying V guitar headstock things. Have you seen oh, those? Oh, that's true. Could it be that one? Could they, like, if Gibson pulls this off, hats off to them, that's very <laughs> out of character for the, them. Then again, Adam Jones probably sells a lot of guitars for them, so they might actually do it for him. But yeah, for those who are just listening, yeah, he's basically playing a black guitar uh, with a flying V body. Looks like a fairly traditional th- flying V neck, except it seems to have maybe block inlays. Yeah, Looks and like- that headstock. I seem yeah, to remember they- that there is like maybe one of the 50s headstocks looks like that. Yeah, I don't know. That's true. I think that they but- have some like old guitar model that had that kind of headstock. Maybe it's that one. So yeah, basically it's like a reverse V headstock, basically. Looks kind of funky. Uh, ah, there we go. What, it uh, seems to look like one of the 1959 flying V headstock. Ah, there you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And apparently, like, I couldn't tell about the colors, but it has the silver burst finish that he's known for with his guitars. Well, that would That's, be a dead giveaway, wouldn't it? In the picture, well, it doesn't really look like a silver burst. Ah, in that one, it does. Yeah. So there we go. I mean, I, I totally wouldn't be surprised to see them doing more Adam Jones stuff because yeah. the Les Pauls have really been 
hot on the internet anyway. I've never seen one in person, and I doubt I ever will because they've probably all been sold. But um, <laughs> if he's doing the business for Gibson, then why not carry on doing it? Yep, that is true. But yeah, cool rumors happening. And before we jump to the orange guitar butler, I think was the name of the product, a word from a sponsor who is also a friend of ours, Trey Xavier. This Catholic Friday's episode is sponsored by How Songs Are Made and the brand new complete rock and metal songwriting course. How Songs Are Made is created by a good friend of the show, Trey Xavier, who is probably best known for his Gearguts YouTube channel. If you ever watch this channel, you know when it comes to rock or metal songwriting, Trey knows what he's talking about. Whether it's his cover songs, random drum groove songwriting videos, or his song critique live streams, Trey has helped countless of songwriters to get better at their craft, and now he has put all of his knowledge into one beast of a course called Complete Rock and Metal Songwriting Course. And by complete, I mean complete. Here are some of the things you'll learn in this course. How to write a song starting from any small bit of an idea. How to generate inspiration from nothing. How to use tension and release to structure your song for maximum impact. How to add layers of vocals and harmonies. How to write guitar riffs and create variations for each part of the song. How to write melodies from chords and chords from melodies, even if you have zero music theory knowledge. How to create drum parts that move the song and do not get in the way. How to write catchy, memorable, and emotional lyrics that grab the listener. How to become a prolific songwriter through songwriting philosophy and mind. Now is the time to take that next or your first step in songwriting journey and put those ideas in your head into reality. To sign up for complete rock and metal songwriting and support Catholic Fridays, please use the link in the show notes. Happy songwriting. And we are back. Orange introduces the guitar butler, fully featured Rick in a box preamp pedal. And this one pretty much follows the pattern of the bass butler they released a few years ago. I think it was two years ago. I remember hearing that at NAMM 2020, being in the same room with other people, which feels weird right now. Uh, yeah, it's like a preamp thing, but there's also cap simulation going on. And like, Basically, it's your amp in a pedal format, and you can just go direct from it to the front of house and it's like that. And based on the few videos I've seen, it sure sounds like an orange product. They have a very specific sound. And apparently there's a market for these type of things because uh, there is the guitar butler, the bass butler has been out. And from what I understand, that's selling pretty well. So, and it sounded fantastic, by the way. Though it helped that we there was a guy who used to play with Muse as the demonstrator on the bass. I bet anything he plays sounds amazing. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, but looks cool. Wouldn't mind trying one out. It looks quite interesting. It looks fairly complex. There's about yeah, I think eleven knobs on the top of it, which is quite a lot for a, a pedal. Is. But I'm sure it gives you many, many different tonal shaping options, and this will be a really useful tool for the kind of people who like to work with independent preamps and power amps. And it would be a yep. good option for people who have an amplifier that they want to get a different voice from. You know, you if you've got, for example, a Fender amp that gives you the option to plug this into it, 
you can turn your fender into an orange, effectively. Yep. That's the idea, isn't it? I'm not getting this totally wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a bit uh, hard to tell what's going on with all of the settings on the amp because Orange doesn't like to label their thing like anything on the amp. So, like, gain is this weird like waveform, and you know, like, it, I think like that. That's like the base. Something a word with a C, clef. Yeah. How do you pronounce it? Yeah. Uh, then there's like middle is like two arrows pointing in the middle <laughs> type of thing. Uh, you know, like uh, that. That's how they label that thing. Is like two different distortions are like like a square waveform and like a regular waveform. <laughs> uh, but sometimes it's hard to decipher like what, what's what. Like when you try them out, you usually find out fairly quickly what's going on. But it, it's their style of labeling everything. Uh, seems to have a very decent I.O. There, can cheat again. There's like an effects loop, there's effects sent, effects return, input. Uh, there's an amp out, I think, and then there's like a direct out as well. And price is going to be, according to the guitar.com article, is uh, $429 US dollars. Which Who do you think that this is insane. mainly aimed for? Yeah. Who do I think it's aimed for? Yeah. Uh, that's a great question, because... Hmm, I mean, as a home recording tool, why not if you love the Orange amps? Though they do also have the Super Crush 100, which kind of does a lot of similar things as this one. Both have the direct out option without needing the need to have a cab. This is obviously way, way smaller, and you can throw it on your pedal board as well. Uh, yeah, I think this is like a, for people who want to have some sort of like I'm gonna put in quotes real amp as the center of their pedal board based setup, which seems to be a really popular solution nowadays. Anyway, so yeah. Does this guitar butler offer any cabinet simulations, or are there any IRs built in, or anything, or is it exclusively preamp? I think it's uh, the this output has the, there is an output with cabinet simulation. Uh, we haven't been able to find out. Uh, the same was with the Super Crush One Hundred, the big head amp as well. Is whether you can disable that? I don't think the cap simulation is digital. Like based on the Super Crush videos I saw, it's not digital, so it's like frequency compensated. I could be completely wrong about this though. So. Uh, I'm not 100% sure. So you can but. run this as a rig in and of itself without an external power amp? Yes, you should yes. be able okay. to. There, there's definitely some sort of cabinet simulation going on, so you can go out from this amp into a... From, well, auto interface or front of house, basically. That's uh, very yeah, cool. Does it, channel, just, does it do? Yeah. It's just... Another option. There are there are many many pedal board based <laughs> options these days, and this is the orange flavored one. Effectively, exactly. We recently talked about the the Victory pedal amps and pedal preamps that are out there that look very cool. That's the Victory flavor. There's a bunch of other brands that do them. Mm. Blue Guitar, My Day Job, for example, that's a full amp. Hughes and Kettner has the Amp Man products. There are others yeah. from more boutique 
American builders like Milkman, for example. And now this, if you love orange amps and you want a pedalboard-based rig, then this guitar butler is going to be the answer, I assume. Yep, pretty much. And I mean, it's funny that Orange also has the Terra stamp, which is like a way, way more simplified version of this. Uh, then one other that I would like to throw in is the Two Notes Cap M, because since uh, an update they released a year and a half ago, I think, uh, there's a preamp simulation. Like, the, the, there's been the power amp simulation has been there for years. But now there's a preamp simulation as well, and it's like a really cool pedal platform. I actually have a video on that on my channel. Links in the show notes, by the way. Um, yeah. So many great options. Whether like it is the golden age of guitar gear, like any kind of solution you want to have. You want to do the full pedal board setup, fully analog, or like half digital, or like fully digital. So many options for guitar players, which I think is cool. Like, no matter what kind of solution you want to have, you can have it. And you can also have it from your favorite companies now. So that's really cool. Because to me, it seems like Orange has a very dedicated fan base. Like, some people who play Orange amps, they really want to play Orange amps because I want to say they sound fairly unique. There's like a certain sound that those products have. And a lot of people like them, me included. So... I don't know if I had like any kind of point to <laughs> this monologue, but yeah, people like Orange Amps, and now they can get that in a very comprehensive pedal format as well. Exactly. And if there are 16 million new guitar players in America alone, alone in the past year and a half, then they're going to need stuff to play. And this is a great new option. I'm really kind of interested to check one of these out and particularly to hear how good the the XLR out is with the cab sim. Mm. That's one thing which often will make or break a product like this. And so I hope these are going to be in stores soon and we get to test them out. Is there any idea of availability mentioned in the article there? I don't remember seeing that. but No, but I guess this was another NAM show release, which is being released now. Yeah. And that will mean not available, maybe March. So let's go for <laughs> March. Yeah. Uh, by the way, if this is using like similar preamp stuff as the Super Crush 100 uses, uh, Anderson did a cool comparison video between the Rockaway 50, so the full tube head, and then the Super Crush 100, which goes for a similar sound but just solid state. And I gotta say, they were very close. Sometimes the Super Crush actually sounded better. So uh, I. I kind of assume this is using similar technologies, so or like a similar preamps and such. So sounds like a cool product. Cool. Yeah, I'm looking forward to trying this. Yeah, uh, Valrus Audio innovates your dreams with new <laughs> slot wall. I, I'm. I think that's how you pronounce it. Multi texture reverb. Uh, first question is like. Do you know, like, is this some sort of, like, Scandinavian connection with the Walrus Audio? Where are these names coming from? Slutvor sounds like something Eirik would pronounce, like, using his vocabulary, like a Swedish or Norwegian yeah, it does. word. It sounds like a Swedish or Norwegian word, or like a very, very nasty insult in some areas of northern <laughs> England. 
if you get called that in Liverpool, then run away immediately. But no, I don't know. I don't know. But the, I feel like there must be some kind of connection because they do like to name their stuff in that kind of direction. But they are American, aren't they, Walrus? I think so. That, that's what makes it interesting. Maybe the designer or, some, or like someone from the company is like has Scandinavian roots or something. I don't know. It's possible. Yeah. Uh, this one looks fairly similar to this Slur one they released a year, two years ago. I think this just has more stuff in it, I think. It does, and presets. It has six presets. Ah, nice. That is really cool. Which Something is, that I missed about it. Yeah. That's the main thing that I gleaned from the various videos that I've watched. There are already yeah. quite a few up on YouTube, so go and hear this thing in action. It sounds like the original... How do you pronounce it? I always slur. pronounce it slow. But well, if yeah. I was doing it in Germany, it would be slur. <laughs> yeah, it's slur. In slur. Swedish or Norwegian or Finnish as well. Yeah, Walrus do make some brilliant, dreamy, ethereal-sounding reverbs and... This pedal has it in spades with six presets. It just yeah. makes sense in a way, you know? Well, I mean, yeah. Carry That's on. That's the thing about like, a lot of these reverbs, this type of reverbs, where like I like the sounds you're able to get from them, but the fact that if you want to have a different sound, you always need to like tweak and there are no presets has always kind of been a deal breaker for me. This kind of solves that problem. So well done. Exactly. Yeah. For me, I often, the, the way I often do things is I will have an amplifier that has, you know, a generic sort of spring reverb on it. And I will always have mm -hmm. just a little dash of spring reverb because I like to have that all the time. And then I will have a separate reverb pedal to do bigger sounds. But if I don't have an amp that has reverb on it, I will want to have a pedal doing that little job of doing just a nice little room or spring or whatever, just to add a little bit of texture to anything that I'm playing. And if I then need yeah. a second reverb sound to do some atmospheric stuff or just to get a different effect, if that pedal doesn't have the option to instantaneously switch between the two or if it doesn't have presets, that is annoying, as you say, because you need a second reverb pedal. So pedals like this are just doing the common sense thing of letting guitar players have those options at the tap of a foot switch. So it's, it's a natural evolution of the pedal. And when it sounds this good, you know, I know the, the original and it sounds great, then... Very, very cool. Yeah. I like the fact that this isn't the slur version 2. Also, there's unfortunately also known for releasing version 2 and 3 and 4 of their pedals like within less, like less than a year since the original release. And we talked about that in the show before. Uh, but this is like an upgrade. Like depending on what you need, you can have the slur version or the slurtvar. Slurtvar. I'm already uh, messing up the words, even though I should be able to pronounce these. <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> Check out the videos for the slurtvar multi-texture reverb. It sounds really cool. Just really, really cool. And the fact that you can have presets, that's really nice. And speaking of cool stuff, these electronics 
have released a infinite sample sustainer. And it kind of does what the name suggests. You record something and it can loop it forever. Or like sustain something forever. And more stuff for the ambient fans, I'm gonna say. And yeah, a, a sample sustainer oh. is something I've never really used. Do, do you have much experience with this kind of effect? Not a sample sustainer. I mean, I understand what it does, but yeah, it, it's obviously kind of different to a loop. So you can like it's even more like text texture creation tool than a looper. I'm gonna say, I obviously like. There's workarounds on how you can do that with a traditional loop as well. But, yeah. Somebody can create huge soundscapes with just this thing. Yeah, uh, just going to read a short uh, few sentences from the GearGuards article to explain more what it does. Uh, the Infinite Sample Sustain allows players to build substantial soundscapes by sampling and sustaining your guitar signal with optional layering to stack up multiple sustained notes and chords to create massive harmonies. So, yeah. You're kind of just stacking up sounds on top of each other to create wall of sound type of thing. There's an official product video, if you follow the link to the Gear Cuts article, that like you can listen to it and get a proper impression of what it does it's surprisingly hard to explain what it does with just words <laughs> yeah i mean i haven't seen the video what... and yeah. i still don't really know from that marketing copy what it actually does so it's gonna be interesting yeah. I, I was thinking at first might it be something a bit like the boss slicer effect where you kind of cut samples out and can do things with them or is it going to be more like you know, the Digitech freakout where you can kind of hold long sustained notes and use them kind of as a basis to solo over or, or whatever? Or is it kind of a mixture of the two? Or is it something totally different? That is going to be something I'm going to find out after the show. <laughs> well, uh, I know that the slicer is uh, something where you take, like you record a sample and then as the name suggests, you slice it to create new rhythmical patterns with that effect. So you can take like, I don't know, like a long note, you slice a chunk of that note and then you can use that note to create some rhythmical patterns, for example. That's how I understand the unit. And I've, I think I've tried one at some point and I've had, oh, there was a slicer option on the MD200, I think, that I had from Boss. So that's what you do with that one. Uh, whereas Freakout, yeah, it's, it simulates the feedback of uh, your guitar, where you can kind of create like an infinite sustaining note, which is also really cool. But I think Freakout also, like when you hold that pedal's foot switch, it kind of simulates the amp feedback, and you can do that infinitely, which is really, really cool as well. Uh, I think that pedal has sold out, by the way, or are they still producing it? Because I think at some point I remember that they were on offer for a long, long time. You could get them yeah. for very, very cheap prices, and I thought about getting one, but I also thought, do I need a pedal that simulates feedback? Because that's not really an effect <laughs> that I play with that much. And I believe you're right. I think you can't get them anymore. I'm going to Google that right now. Yeah, go ahead. But yeah, I mean, DC 
electronic uh, in my like I have mixed feelings about the company since Behringer acquired them some years ago now actually and yeah I've heard oh, so from a lot freak, of friends the freakout is still available oh it is okay there were yep. there was something happening with the company where uh, did somebody buy the company or something like that happened where I wasn't sure whether some of the product would be available anymore, but cool. Yeah, Digitech Actually, had like, a bunch of different problems and kind of went out of business and came back and went out of business. And ah, a, yeah, a lot of the original explosive. team left and went to do other things. And yeah, but it seems like they're kind of back. And there's a couple of really cool pedals that they do. The other one that comes to mind is the the Rubberneck analog delay, mm. and that one also went down to super cheap prices. And I again, I thought about getting that and didn't. And now it's back to more expensive prices, but that also <laughs> disappeared from web stores. It was unavailable for a time, and now it's back. And it's like, what's really going on there? And who is building those pedals? We don't know. Yeah. But yeah, TC Electronic, as you say, bought out by Behringer, and since then they kind of have, I would say, a significantly different brand image. And what were you going to yeah. say? You've heard you've heard things from people about how things are different there now, uh, or something. I've heard from people who have bought new TC products that the quality isn't the same. Like a lot of their like flashback delays and such have been broken or broke after just slight amounts of use. And I guess like if when you get bored by a Behringer, that's kind of exactly what happens. Produce the same thing, but for cheaper. They have the means. Behringer is a huge company, but. That's the downside of that, I'm afraid. So, but I also had some good things like uh, what's the DC electronic, like the multi effects unit they released, which has all the tone print stuff. The plethora. Like, yeah, apparently that's really good. So, I, you know, I've never seen one of those face to face still. Yeah. That's Me another neither. thing that I need to change. Because I do like a lot of the TC effects. You know, the delays and reverbs are really, really mm. good. Yeah. Actually, what I should also mention is that I've talked to a few people in local music stores and they all dropped out TC Electronic after the acquisition because there was too many returns, apparently. Well, it will Maybe. also be interesting to see if TC Electronic follows the Behringer path in the future of yeah. kind of removing the vast majority of dealers and just working with a few kind of super dealers or whatever they call them, as as Behringer does now. Yeah, but th that that's a different story. Might. And the the kind of conclusion that we've reached is that we still don't know what the infinite sample sustainer does. <laughs> that is very true. <laughs> yeah, we kind of do, but yeah, I think it's probably one of those pedals where somebody like, you would try it, and somebody would explain it to you while you try it. Then you would go like, "Oh, no, I get it. This is really cool. Like, this is cool, but I don't have any use for it." Yeah, or somewhere in between. But yeah, we indeed do not know what it. Does. <laughs> so there you go. We're here to provide you useful information, and sometimes just uh, guessing what on earth a thing like this does. And yeah. Before we wrap up the show, we're going to try to keep it brief because yeah, we're not up to full speed just yet, health-wise, unfortunately. Let's check out a weekend watch and wrap up 
then. Watch it. Watch it. Watch it. Watch it. Watch it. Watch it. Video. It's not like you have anything else to do. This week's weekend watch comes from Ben Eller, a very big YouTuber of 107,000 subs. Well, Ben is, well, a lot of people call him Uncle Ben, which I think is kind of fun. And fantastic guitar player, fantastic guitar teacher as well. And he has a cool video on his channel called Best Riffs of the 80s UK versus USA. And he is joined by Nick Bauk. How do you pronounce, like, how would a British person pronounce Nick Baukat? Baukat? No, actually, in English, it's pronounced Slutva. No, <laughs> Baukat. <laughs> Apologies. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, Nick is uh, from Sweetwater. I think he does a lot of videos for them. Seems like a lovely gentleman, killer play as well. He's great at interviewing people as well. I've seen a few videos where he's interviewed some fairly big artists and he's really good. And yeah, that's what they do. They go through a lot of like 80s riffs and obviously Nick being British and playing a British looking guitar. Like there's a British flag. Union, what's that? Union flag? That's the Union Jack. Word, I think. Well, I Union think Union Jack. flag is the official term, but everyone says Union Jack. I'm going to do that from now on as well. Yeah, he's playing Good. a Union Jack guitar with a dime back uh, Simpson characteristic here on his head as well. <laughs> and yeah, Ben is playing this very 80s looking Charvel as well. So great guitar choices. There's a couple of Soldano amps as well. And yeah, there were so many fun riffs in this video. I gotta say, I didn't know all of the songs they mentioned, but it was cool to like, just hear what the favorites. Uh, the setup is also kind of fun because uh, Nick plays left-handed and it just looks so weird to me. Like, I mean, like video setup-wise, like the guitar head stocks are pointing outside the shot on our both sizes, which is kind of fun, but I don't know. Watching lefty guitar feels like my screen is flipped. That's my issue, not Nick's. Yeah, that's yeah, exactly. That's it's my issue too. I always think that when I see Sweetwater videos with Nick in them at first. Oh, they've mirrored the image by mistake, but no, it's because he's left-handed. Yeah, I mean it yeah. yeah it, it for a right-handed player it just looks kind of it it looks wrong in many respects. Mm. But there we go. Our problem, as you say. Our problem. Yeah. But a lot, a lot of great riffs in the video. I th think a lot of you listeners and viewers will enjoy this as well. And yeah, that wraps up Capic Friday's episode 46. Thank you so much for watching, listening. Hope both of us will feel even better next week and we'll be full speed. And as uh, Capic Friday's history suggests, uh, within like the next two or three hours, there will be probably there will probably be like five super cool product releases that we will not be able to cover until next week's show. <laughs> uh, it's like every single time that happens. It That's just how it is, unfortunately. But yeah, we are doing our best to cover everything as soon as possible, but that's just the reality. Yeah, everything in the show notes, uh, including these 
baseball caps or snapbacks. And by the way, if you are shopping from EU, if you want to see the snapbacks in the store, uh, there's like a ticket at the bottom of this store where you can switch yourself to US store and you'll be then able to order this even though you're in EU. And mine actually arrived fairly quickly, like within a week or so. So uh, it's not actually that bad delivery time-wise either. And yeah, have a great weekend. We'll see you again next week. And as we do here on Catpick Fridays, bye podcast. Bye podcast.